Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushable. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of February 3, 2019. We begin with several announcements. First, on October 9, 2018, the President of the United States signed the Marrakesh Implementation Act. Late on January 28, we received news that the President had signed the instrument of ratification and it is now being sent to the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO. We'll keep you posted on future developments. Next, Larry Turnbull has announced that the ACB Advocacy Update, now published each week, is available by telephone. You can hear it by calling... 605-475-8154. This is the same line where you can also listen to the Braille Forum, the ACBE Forum, the ACB Reports, and the ACB Mini Mall Catalog by making choices from the menu. From Stephen Mendelson and the California Council of the Blind comes the following announcement. This spring we will be filing our first returns under the new tax law. Many well-published provisions of the new law, such as lower tax rates, higher standard deductions, and increased child care credit, are applicable to everyone. But the law also contains provisions specifically affecting people with disabilities. The disability-specific provisions have not been widely reported or brought together in one place until now. Six new tax benefits for people with disabilities, what you should know about the new tax law, is a publication by ACB member Steve Mendelson. It explains the most impactful provisions for people with disabilities, and these include improvements to the ABLE Act that help working people, elimination of taxes on people whose student loan debts are forgiven on account of disability, an experimental FMLA tax credit, a new independent care credit, preservation of the impairment-related work expenses deduction, and temporary improvements to the medical expense deduction. This clearly written, fully referenced 21-page guide is available for $2.99 as a Kindle ebook download. All proceeds of the sale go directly to the California Council of the Blind. You can find this publication at Amazon.com. Search for Six New Benefits People Disabilities ebook. At its quarterly meeting on Friday, February 1, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind established an annual chapter dues of $2 per person. You may become a member of the Greater Louisville Council by paying dues at any roundabout or other GLCB event. For more information, give us a call at 502-895-4598 or ask questions at any roundabout. There will also be a membership form in the KCB newsletter being mailed this week, and you can use that form to pay GLCB dues as well. 
The Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana invites everyone to a dine-out at Frisch's on Shelbyville Road in Louisville, home of the Brawny Lad, Buddy Boy, and other great sandwiches, breakfast food all day long, and many other menu choices. Frisch's has been a favorite restaurant in the Louisville area for about 60 years. The date is February 16. The time is 2 p.m. Please let Deb Lewis, president of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana, know if you plan to attend and who will be coming with you. You need to let her know by Wednesday, February 13, so that the restaurant can be prepared to accommodate our group. Deb's number is 502-721-9129, or you can call the KCB office at 502-895-4598. Nearby Explorer is a wayfinding app for Apple and Android devices. It is a product from the American Printing House for the Blind. Joe Hodge and Denise Snow from APH join us on page 2 this week to give an overview of the app and its capabilities to talk about the work of the Printing House's Accessible Cities Committee and to ask for your participation in a survey related to nearby Explorer and indoor wayfinding. We talk a lot about audio description here on Soundprints, and this week on page 3 is a most interesting article from WTOP.com about how audio description in live theaters began and how it is produced. A volunteer describer with the Washington Ear in the D.C. area explains how she describes plays, musicals, etc. in live theaters. And on page 4 is the Soundprints calendar. Page two. I have two guests on the phone with me today. One is Joe Hodge, who is in the technology department at the American Printing House for the Blind. Actually, he's a quality assurance analyst at APH. And then we also have Denise Snow, who works in the tech department and is a member of the Accessible Cities Committee at APH. And we're going to be talking about Nearby Explorer today. Welcome, Joe and Denise. Hi, thanks for having us. Joe, let's start out with you telling listeners a little bit about Nearby Explorer. We've we've talked about it in the past on Soundprints, but it's been a long time. And Rob Meredith came to Roundabout one time and did a great demo on Nearby Explorer, but I think that's been a couple of years, too. So just introduce some of our listeners that may not know much about the app to it and uh, tell us what it does, and then we'll talk about our specific questions that we have for people today. Sure. And um, so Nearby Explorer is a GPS application that runs on iOS or Android. Uh, There's actually two versions of Nearby Explorer, so not to confuse people, but there's Nearby Explorer, which is the quote-unquote full version. That has a charge associated with it. It's uh, $79. And then there's also Nearby Explorer Online, which is actually free. They both subsequently do the same thing. There are a few differences, um, but... Uh, Nearby Explorer Online um, and Nearby Explorer both do GPS. The main difference between the two of them is that Nearby Explorer Full is download has downloadable maps. So you would be able to download them and not have to use data while you're out and about. Um, the online is um, going to be checking the server and using data. 
So what you can do with them, I use them every day on my way to work, for example. Um, you can actually, uh, so I'll set my destination as the American Printing House, and I can see um, what we're passing as we're going by it on the bus. So it'll call out things like the Comfy Cow, or it'll uh, tell me you know businesses as we're passing them. On the full version, one other difference it does currently that the online version doesn't do is it gives you uh, cross streets. So as I'm crossing, uh, say, say I'm on Frankfurt Avenue, it'll say uh, Vernon Avenue, and then it'll say Clifton Avenue. It'll, it's going to tell you uh, streets as you're passing them. Um, and you can also um, use a compass uh, so you can raise it up and see which way you're going. So if you, if you take the phone in your hand and you lift it up like you're taking a picture, uh, it will actually make a little buzzing noise and it will say east. And, and then if you were to turn you know, a certain direction, it would, it would let you know that direction. Um, there's also a feature in both of them called GeoBeam that this is very helpful. If you take your phone and you put your power button uh, towards the sky and you uh, sort of point the phone, uh, with a, you know towards the top of the device mm -hmm. it's going to tell you and it's going to make beeping noises and it's going to tell you what you're actually pointing at so if i'm pointing outdoors uh, say at the american printing house i can sort of lock onto that location and it will say you know 10 yards east for example hmm. uh, and as you get closer to it the beeps are going to change um, so the reason getting to kind of why we're here as we've taken the outdoor version of Nearby Explorer and we said, how can we make this better? And we have now started doing indoor navigation. So how that works quickly is we have a mapping department here at APH. They will map on OpenStreetMap uh, the location. They go in and kind of get a floor plan. Uh, they draw all this into a program. And then once they get it mapped, they go out and place beacons in a venue. Uh, these beacons are Bluetooth. Um, they have a Bluetooth uh, receiver in them. And then that communicates to your phone as you're moving through an establishment and kind of gets a placement. And, you know, since they have the map mapped in OpenStreetMap, it kind of gives it a location as you're moving. Uh, so it kind of helps. The beacons kind of help ultimately just give a location off. So as you're moving let's say you're at the airport here in Louisville, uh, as you're moving, it's going to say gate B7. And then as you're, if you keep moving, it'll say B8. Um, it's going to basically give it real-time updating. Uh, with that, you can search for different locations. So say you're looking for the restroom. Um, you, could, you could search for the men's or women's restroom, uh, set it as a watch, and as you get closer, um, it's going to kind of say, it'll say like 12 yards uh, east. And then as, as you're moving, it'll say eight yards um, to kind of give you an idea that you're moving closer to it. Uh, we do not have routing currently. So unfortunately on indoor navigation anyway. Um, so, so unfortunately right now you couldn't set like a destination to be the restroom and it give you step-by-step -step directions on how to get there. It's sort of, kind of like walk and play is like all you know there's plug and play <laughs> so uh -huh. as you walk you you learn uh what's 
what's coming up uh, by moving in a sense. Um, so um, just to give you, I, I don't know if you want this, Carla, or not, but uh, to give you a few examples. Sure. I, I used a lot. Um, so I was able to go to the airport um, the other day, get off, check my bag at the curb, and get through TSA and to my gate all on my own. I'm, I'm totally blind um, without any assistance. And, and that feeling um, w- was remarkable because of the fact that you're able to um, just do something that I normally am having to wait for someone to, to come and, uh, for assistance. So like when I was in Las Vegas, they don't have indoor explorer uh, at the airport. So I was waiting. <laughs> I had to wait about 30 minutes for someone to get up to the front to get me uh, for assistance. So it, it makes a huge difference and kind of makes me feel like I can be late like anyone else and get to my, <laughs> you know, to my guest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good feeling. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Not to the airport. <laughs> yes. Well, of course. Sometimes when you're with those assist people, they can walk you around those long lines at the security and often do. So, you know, if you arrive at security without one of them, you may spend that extra time standing in line. (laughs) That's a good point, yeah. (laughs) But I know what you're saying, Joe. It it really is nice to have to, um, that, that could be very nice to be able to avoid having to stand around and wait for that assist, and then sometimes argue with the assist person when they show up with a wheelchair. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and the other thing that will happen, too, is to say the assistant gets you to your gate. And well, you get to your gate, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe you get hungry or you have to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. Then you're just sort of stuck there, and you don't know what's around you, or you don't know exactly where you are because they've just sat you at a gate. Right. Um, this with nearby. So even if you maybe wanted to walk with assistance back, you weren't comfortable enough to do that, at least when you got to, if you're sitting at your gate waiting to go, you could pull up nearby and say, hey, there's a, uh, and actually, I did, I, I, as I'm passing restaurants, I'm like, I didn't realize there was a Cole's Artisan Pizza in the airport. I had no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're, you're able to you know, pull up a list of places, points of interest, and you would be able to then go to the bathroom or, or find your way to a comfy cow or, or something mm-hmm. to get, get a, a dessert or something as you as you wait if you decided to. So I think it gives ultimately the power back to you as the individual versus, you know, having to depend on uh, someone. Right. We're talking about choice. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. We're talking about knowing what's there and and then being able to choose and and then get to that. Choose to go to to the comfy cow <laughs> or get that hamburger or whatever or, you know, sit and wait. And that may not matter. Uh, a lot of times you might get to the to the gate and you might not need to do anything like that. But let's say your plane gets delayed for two hours mm-hmm. um, or the plane gets canceled or whatever. And there you are. So you have to wait for somebody to come along or for, you know, or you go to the desk and say, would you call an assist person or whatever? And, you know, if, if it will, there, there's, there's just a, a lot of times in an airport that it would be real handy to be able to, to move around without having to wait around for an assist person or whatever. 
and or the plane changes gates even you know i mean that can sometimes happen too and in the Louisville airport if you change from b8 to b6 that's not a big deal but if you're in um if you're in an airport that has a lot of terminals that can become a big deal too well so mapping is um the indoor beacons are available uh, mostly right now in the Louisville area, but in some other places around the country. And um, and so, therefore, let's segue a little bit into Denise telling us what is the Accessible Cities Committee and what's it been doing over the last couple of years, what's been the goal, and, mm -hmm. and where are we now, and then how can we help in to, to further the work of the committee? Okay. So uh, the Accessible Cities Committee um, began at APH um, in 2017. We were, our initial objective was to gather as much um, research as we could about what makes a city accessible or what barriers there are to accessibility um, throughout the country. So we went to the national conferences and interviewed people directly. We also had a survey that we sent out nationally. And we gathered all this information. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of information. <laughs> um, we brought it back and had it analyzed. And the results from that will be out very shortly. Our uh, marketing department, DOT6, is currently working on that as we speak and we'll be introducing that to the public shortly uh, a lot of great information and so we took that information and our latest objective has become to make louisville the most accessible city in the u.s and uh, we're doing that through partnerships with metro government local businesses and associations we've done a lot of work with um, the mayor, Greg Fisher, and other people from the government. And ultimately, we hope to develop practices and resources that can be replicated and used in other cities, of which the Indoor Explorer feature on the Nearby Explorer app is a major component. Since we're located in Louisville, Kentucky, APH, most of the locations that we've mapped or installed beacons at are local and we're trying to reach out through a survey to get some feedback about that what how it's working now and what we can do to improve it would you be interested in having me list those locations yes uh, okay uh, yes there are 33 locations currently and I'll, I'll start listing them slowly. The Fraser History Museum, 21C Museum Hotel, Muhammad Ali Center, Actors Theater, the Walgreens Store on Frankfurt Avenue, Kentucky Derby Museum, Louisville Metro Hall, Louisville City Hall, the KFC Yum Center, JCTC John T. Smith Library, K 
Kentucky International Convention Center, JCTC Chestnut Hall, JCTC Health Sciences Hall, and uh, that's Jefferson Community Technical College, I believe. Mm-hmm. Kentucky Museum of Arts and Crafts, the BACB building at the University of Louisville, Slugger Field, the Louisville Free Public Library, Main Library, the one downtown, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also the Crescent Hill location. Okay. Um, Scogin and McDaniel's buildings at the Kentucky School for the Blind. Of course, the American Printing House for the Blind. <laughs> um, the Louis Lab and CNET Smart Apartment here in Louisville. VIPS, the Visually Impaired Preschool Services, the McDowell Center, Kentucky Center for the Arts, Louisville International Airport, Kentucky Science Center, and Hyatt Regency Louisville. There are some locations outside of Kentucky. Those include uh, Region 4 Education Center in Houston, Texas. We also have mapped the Envision F5 in Wichita, Kansas, Mm. and Portland State University Millar Library in Portland, Oregon. And we've mapped several conferences. Currently, we have um, ATIA in Orlando, Florida mapped. And we'll be mapping CSUN, M-enabling, the National ACB Conference, the National NFB Conference. And there may be others I'm not aware of yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, we hope that we'll have the survey open for several months, and it will give people an opportunity to visit those locations try indoor navigation feature and fill out the survey, which I'm not sure I said anything about that yet. Before we talk about the survey, um, the the initial survey that you you did, you talked about, you know, you all did that at the Mm -hmm. conventions and and, uh, had it open. People could do it online. And you also came to the, I guess it was the 2000, it was 2017 uh-huh, convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. And, right. you know, we were really pleased to have you all there. And uh, we really enjoyed you all um, participating and doing that survey. And so now this is sort of a, a follow-up, and we're pleased to be able to participate and to, to have some more input. So tell us about the survey that's happening now. Okay. And before I go into that, since you mentioned the uh, previous survey and and coming to the local uh, conventions, mm-hmm. one of the aspects that I think people may find interesting about the analysis that we're about to release is that it is broken down between the national interviews and the local interviews. Oh, so there you'll okay. be able to see the impact from your local 
interviews and surveys that were submitted. Mm-hmm. Good. And, uh, yeah, we really felt that it was important to focus on Louisville if we're going to make Louisville the most accessible city. <laughs> so that was very great to be able to come to those conferences. Okay. All right. The current survey we're doing is specific to the indoor feature of Nearby Explorer. So you will have to have Nearby um, downloaded on your device, and you'll have to try out the feature. The survey is at aph.org forward slash indoor hyphen survey. And it's relatively short, but it's really imperative that we get as much feedback locally as we can and nationally um, because we know how it works and we are excited about having this feature and, and being able to be at the forefront of indoor wayfinding but there's still a lot to learn mm-hmm. and we need to know the people who will be using it what they need mm-hmm. okay so for people who live in Louisville and they are not familiar with this at this point in time then they can download nearby explorer from the iTunes store or the the Google Play store and and install it on their device they don't have to buy, to buy the paid version they can use the free version the okay the free version um, you can find at tech.aph.org okay for forward slash neo underscore info okay and that will that will um, but but in the play store or the iTunes store if they just do nearby online it'll also come up uh, but if you go to the website Denise gave you that's going to give you some some more information about the particular version okay okay so I could download it on my phone and then I could use it at the, any of the locations that you listed here in the city or if I'm from somewhere else in well even or if I'm going let's say uh, you know to one of the conventions and mm-hmm. I want to participate and have some input I could do I could download this and use it at the conventions this summer at both ACB and NFB and have an opportunity to see how it works in the hotels and the meeting areas and so on absolutely okay that, we that will really have... broaden the the, <laughs> the scope. That that should be a really good opportunity to um, to get a lot of po- different points of view and yes. and, uh, and ex- just expose the work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was such a great experience coming to the conferences in 2017. We had such a wonderful um, response, and and at the local conferences as well. So we're. We're going to be back this summer with indoor navigation, uh, with the information about the survey, but we also hope to have the opportunity to um, share the analysis at those conferences as well. 
And we'd be happy to come to the local ones and share, too, if, if you want to have us back. Oh, we'd be happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll need to get dates put down um, right away because we pretty much, we have our dates. Uh, we're pretty close to having our dates firmed up. So that would be pretty good. And there's this, uh, we have some other opportunities, too, that you might uh, like to come to as, as you go through this. So. Um, oh, well, this I'm just sure. yeah. this sounds really uh, exciting, and uh, we're glad to know about the follow-up. You know, a lot of times, I'm sure you both, I'm sure you both have experienced this, where you know somebody comes along with a study, and you hear about the study, and you participate in the study, and more often than not, that's kind of the end of it. Um, right. You know, they have their findings or whatever, but you have to really dig to find them. <laughs> right. they, they may be well hidden someplace or there might not be a follow-up or um, sometimes you know if the grant runs out well then that's the end of the survey too mm -hmm. but um, but but it's 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 really good to to when when there's an opportunity to to then follow up and see what's happened in a year or two and um, and then find out where things are going from there. So mm -hmm. this this is going to be really great. And um, one more thing, if you don't mind me yeah. adding, because I, I Go ahead. forgot to completely mention this feature ahead of time. But sure. uh, as I was sitting here pacing in, in an empty office, I just remembered. Uh, <laughs> you can you can also uh, virtually explore. So, like uh, for example, Denise uh, mentioned all those places. Mm -hmm. off. So if you're going to go to let's say the ACB National Convention. Mm -hmm. You could actually uh, go to the search and type in the name of the venue that it's going to be at, so the, the hotel, mm -hmm. and you could, so if you have the address or, or the name, and you could actually uh, pull that building up, you can select the different levels, mm -hmm. and you will be able to virtually look around so you kind of have an idea of what's going to be there ahead of time. So, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, by, by levels, he means different floors. Yes. Different floors. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and a sighted person can do that online because the mm -hmm. hotel has all that pictured online, but mm -hmm. that doesn't help us a whole lot. I mean, it might tell you that, you know, room so-and-so is on the second floor, but that's about all you get. Um, and that's so, another thing that people could do for the survey Okay. if they're not actually going to be at one of the beacons locations uh -huh. is they could just pull one up and try out indoor on their on their phone wherever they are yeah because you can use the features like GeoBeam or the compass and you can kind of uh you know sometimes it's hard to visualize exactly where you are but that's the kind of feedback we want um so but at least you can you can you can actually point your phone around and say oh the you know when I walk in the, the desk is going to be off to my right um you know that kind of information Key, so. so, Joe, will they be in the case of Rochester? Um, we're using two hotels and the convention center. So, will they map all of that? I have not exactly heard what all we're mapping mm -hmm. in Rochester, um, but I can get—I um, can actually shoot an email over to the mappers and let you know for sure. Mm -hmm. I think 
for I would say the convention center. I would for say the sure. convention center for sure. Yeah, that's exactly now, see, what Yeah, but it would be really good to map the hotels as well because mm -hmm. we will use the convention center. I understand for the general session and for the exhibits, and then a lot of the breakouts, most of the breakouts are going to be in the Riverside and the Hyatt. Like I already know for three groups that I'm pretty heavily involved in, that they're going to be in the Hyatt. And so in the okay. afternoon, That's I'm going to be in the Hyatt. <laughs> We're glad to hear that because, uh, what, you know, like Joe said, he could share that with the mappers. And oh, yeah. Do, yeah. Do our best to get all three locations mapped. Yeah, it, that would really be good because all of our special interest groups, and I mean, we can sometimes have eight or ten things going at one time, and that would really test that system. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if, if people can can use that to um, really navigate all of those breakout areas and so on, that would be a tremendous um, service. And I think that could give you a ton of feedback into that mm -hmm. survey. Yeah, that's, that's really good. We had a convention planning call the other night. All of our groups have a representative to our convention planning committee. And we had this call. And um, Janet Dickelman, our convention coordinator, was able to tell us where most of our groups we're going to be at least which hotel our meetings we're going to be in in the afternoon. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so see, you could use it or before you get there yes. to look around. Yes. And kind of or like that morning if they have to go to a different hotel. hotel. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and at the same time, you'll have people in the exhibits. The exhibits will be over in the convention center. Uh, but the hotels are close. I mean, it's not like you have to take a bus or anything. You just come out and cross the street. Uh, there'll be less walking at this convention between these two hotels and convention center than there was last year in the Union Station Hotel. Uh, well, I do have two last things to mention, if I may. Okay. Um, in regards to the original survey, mm -hmm. we're pretty confident, Not, I'm not saying 100%, but we're fairly confident that it's the largest survey of its, of its kind. Mm -hmm. that's ever been done. Mm -hmm. So we're really proud to be a part of that, and we want to continue to follow up on that information mm -hmm. in as many ways as we can. Mm -hmm. So we're really happy that everyone else is excited about it too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but last, um, I would like to mention that if you go to APH.org and you – put indoor navigation in the search field. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of uh, different articles, but one by Larry Scootcon that was that's really uh, informational, and there's a video that you can watch as well of one of our employees using it at the library. Mm -hmm. So there's more, it's helpful to see and kind of hear how people have worked it out mm -hmm. before they try it themselves if they like. Mm -hmm. Okay. And let me mm -hmm. ask you one more question. For people who who don't live in, you know, major cities or whatever, mm -hmm. um, while the indoor, the indoor aspect of this um, may not affect them very much, but uh, just in general, anything, am I correct that Anything that's mapped out there can that nearby on the outside 
uh, and you're using it outside, that you would be able to to use that with um, even even now. You're you're able to use that. Let's say I live in um, I live in Lexington, or I live in Owensboro, or I live in Bowling Green. Um, a nearby explorer can still be useful to me. Am I correct in thinking that? That is correct. Uh, so. Nearby Explorer is basically a fully accessible sort of, uh, if you think of like like, like, like Google a, Maps or something like on map. your phone, but they don't give you 100% information that's right. tailored to the blind or visually impaired. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, if you use Nearby, the, the full version, you could download the maps and use it off, you know, off the grid, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. and be, be outdoors. If you do the online even, yeah, if you live in Owensboro and you want to walk around your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you could do the, do so. And then if you're passing businesses, it's going to read off the names and, mm-hmm. um, and you could still and use the compass and, and, uh, and all that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, so, you know. yeah. So whatever Google has mapped, um, whatever Google has mapped is accessible through Nearby Explorer, well, basically. So, yeah, yeah. So basically, what happens is uh, on the online version, you can use uh, Google Maps, you can use Foursquare, and you can use. So you can actually change the address provider uh-huh. or the search provider. Oh. And so you can actually use different sources. Mm-hmm. On the full version, what you're paying for there is you're actually using uh, what's called NavTech. Uh, it's a company that makes maps, and so you're actually downloading the map to your device, but when you're using like Foursquare, what it's doing is it's going out and getting anything that you know someone has possibly put into Foursquare, and like so, if, if someone labeled a Dairy Queen, it's going to go out there, and as you're passing that landmark, it'll say or you know that building, it'll say Dairy Queen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> so it's it's not it's not just limited to a few places. Um, it, it, you, you basically can can make use of all of that huge amount of information that's out there for the sighted person. Um, that it is available to you in in some form with with the nearby Explorer app. Then. Correct. And that's and that's I believe that's international as well, right? Yeah, so? we actually yeah we actually have uh, we have maps now in Canada. Um, and also, we are uh, doing Europe as we speak. So, okay. And we plan to roll that out further as years go on. And we, mm-hmm. the maps are, it, it, t- it takes a little time to, to draw everything up and get everything into the database. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we are slowly rolling out more and more places um, every, every month or so. Very neat. Well, thank you all so much for being on Soundprints today. And uh, Denise, I'm glad you had this occasion uh, with this survey so that we could talk about this topic and update everybody. And we're looking forward to trying out all of these indoor navigation um, opportunities at the national conventions and also around Louisville. So thank you all. Appreciate it. at the conventions. All right. Thank you, Carla. (laughs) Bye. Bye. APH's Nearby Explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. 
Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Send to Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille, to create a quick Braille file instantly. Download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org lt. Page 3. The following article is called Theater of the Mind. Washington Ear Brings Live Theater to Visually Impaired. It was posted on January 25 on the WTOP.com website. Washington. Just because you can't physically see the stage doesn't mean that you can't enjoy live theater in the nation's capital. Sometimes theater of the mind is just as exciting. For 38 years, Metropolitan Washington Ear has assisted visually impaired theatergoers by providing audio descriptions of the action, costumes, sets, and lighting via audience headsets. Quote, Our late founder, Dr. Margaret Rockwell Fanstiel, and her late husband, Cody Fanstiel, actually developed the art and technique, Executive Director Neely Opplinger told WTOP. This came in response to a request from the house manager at Arena Stage, who had received a grant to make the theater's productions accessible for those who are visually impaired. The first audio-described play took place at Arena Stage in Washington, D.C. in October 1981. End of quote. Based in Silver Spring, Maryland, Washington Ear provides the service for nine local theaters, Arena Stage, Ford's Theater, National Theater, Olney Theater Center, Roundhouse Theater, Shakespeare Theater, Studio Theater, Hexagon, Washington Revels, and others by request. Twenty-one volunteers are specially trained to cover 50 to 60 live shows each season. The oldest volunteer has participated since 1981, while others have over 25 years of experience. Quote, My first show was A Christmas Carol at Ford's, volunteer Rita Tehan told WTOP. The first time it was very scary, because in the beginning you do step on the actor's lines. There's no way to avoid it. Oddly enough, it doesn't really get easier. I've learned a lot over the years, but because every show is different, and because it's live, you have to be on your toes every time. End of quote. The process starts when blind patrons are handed a headset as they enter the theater. A pre-recorded message provides an audio description of the program notes, similar to a playbill. Quote, There's two people for every production, Tehan says. There's the describer who shows up and does it live, then there's somebody who writes what's called program notes, which are pre-recorded. They describe the sets and the costumes so the patron can listen before the show or at intermission, plus background information on the play or musical, information about the creative team and the cast. Usually it's about 10 minutes worth of information, end of quote. Once the lights go down and the show starts, where does the audio describer stand? Quote, 
For most theaters, there's a booth with the sound and lighting folks. But there are a couple of theaters, like Arena's Fitchhandler, where I'm in the back row of the balcony, Tehan said. I wear a mask over my face so that the people sitting in front of or next to me don't hear me. If you've ever seen a court stenographer, the old-fashioned steno masks, that's what we use. From there, she begins her live narration, describing what she sees in between dialogue. Quote, I describe what's going on on stage, Tehan said. Any action the performers are doing, any facial expressions. I cannot speak when the performers are speaking, so I have to be able to say what I've got to say in between dialogue. You have to get in quick because somebody else is going to say something. It's hard to be succinct. You have to use a lot of verbs. In order to identify these precise moments, Tehan does her homework ahead of time. Quote, we always see a show twice before it's described, Tehan said. Each time I take notes in a notebook. I take notes of the things I need to remember to describe. End of quote. The task is particularly challenging during musicals, such as Anything Goes at Arena Stage. Quote, Usually in a musical, the song starts and then they repeat the chorus. So when the song is starting and the lyrics are fresh, I wouldn't be talking then, Tehan said. When they start repeating the whole thing again, which frequently they do in a song, then I would step in and describe what they're doing. Frequently in musicals, there's just music, no singing at all, and I have to describe the dancing, which takes some doing. You've got to be on your toes. End of quote. How does she describe the rapid movements of the dance numbers? Quote, With dancing in particular, I don't have an advanced vocabulary, Tehan said. The most jargon I would say would be like pirouette. I would probably just say spin. I would never assume that a blind person would know the jargon anyhow. So it's spinning or popping or sashaying. I might say it's a wall step, depending on how fast the music is going. They can hear the tapping, but if they're all spinning, shuffling, or pointing, that's what you would describe. It's a different animal entirely for a non-musical play, such as Indecent, at Arena Stage. Quote, I get detailed, but I don't cover the blocking too much, Tehan said. What's important is if anyone is trying to hide anything. Anything the blind person needs to know happened in order for it to make sense. Also, they want to know who's on stage, who's left. Because if somebody leaves, you don't necessarily hear or notice it. They want to know who's on stage. Her character descriptions also include symbolic interactions without editorializing. Quote, You'd be surprised how many times characters have their backs to each other. And that's significant. So I always say that, Tehan said. I don't say the person is mad. I was taught years ago that we don't say what we think the emotion is. We describe what they're doing. I would say the jaw is clenched, the brow is furrowed, he's making a fist, that kind of thing.
That's a lot of description for one word, mad, but that's how we do it. So I get in what I can. End of quote. If you'd like to attend a show, check out the accessibility options on each theater's website. Quote, All of the accessibility options are frequently in the same place on a website, Tehan said. Our service is called audio description, as opposed to sign language interpretation, which is for the deaf. Depending on the theater, it's one or two performances per run. Ford's Theater has two performances, while Arena and National and Shakespeare typically just have one. End of quote. The theaters also provide Braille programs, which has become common practice since the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. Signed by late President George H.W. Bush, the law requires public accommodations for people with disabilities. Audio description is not legally required, but many theaters provide it in good faith, just as Arlington Players recently cast a deaf Quasimodo in its fall sign language production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Quote, Believe it or not, Tehan said, I had a big turnout for Marcel Marceau, the mime. End of quote. Page 4. The Sound Prince Calendar. On February 4, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have a program committee meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On February 5, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. It will be using the Zoom line at 669-900-6833, enter code 3572-595-193. This meeting will include a business meeting of KCCLV as well as time for questions and support. On February 7, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly conference call. This is a monthly meeting for blind lions from around the country. Excellent opportunity to share ideas about how to be involved in local clubs. At 9 p.m. Eastern Time, call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On February 8, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout will include education and technology from 3.30 to 5, discussion time 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, bargain table 7 to 7.30, bingo 7.30 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598. On February 9, Mapping the Heart. From 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., this workshop, conducted by guest artist Jennifer Palmer, helps you explore the sensory qualities of a place you hold in your heart and to express those qualities in a mixed-media artwork. The finished piece is a tactile map that you can use to recreate your journey through the act of touch. This is a free workshop, but there are limited spaces available. Best for adults and children 8 and up. Registration is required. 
sponsored by the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. Call 502-899-2213 for more information and to register. On February 9, the GLCB board will meet at 11 a.m. Eastern Time by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On February 10, KCB Next Generation will have its Kentucky Chapter Meeting at 8 p.m. This is its regular monthly meeting for visually impaired members 40 and under in Kentucky. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. Also on February 10, ACB Families will hold its monthly meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. On February 11, ACB Next Generation will have its nationwide conference call at 8.30 p.m. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On February 12, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired will have its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or contact Cheryl Lott at 270-686-8689. On February 12, there will be a Savvy Board Meeting at 7 p.m. Central Time on the line at 669-900-6833. Enter the code Three five seven two five nine five one nine three. On February 13, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its monthly meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155-619. For more information, call 859-781-7369. On February 13, KCB PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. February 23-26 is the ACB Mid-Year Meeting and Legislative Seminar. This will be held in Alexandria, Virginia. February 23 is the ACB Board Meeting. February 24 is a leadership workshop and president's meeting, February 25, legislative seminar and training, and February 26 is the visit to Capitol Hill. For more information, visit acb.org slash 2019-presidents-legislative-meetings. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 
or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.